Daniel said I'm not important enough for an intro, so. Boo! Well, welcome to staff meeting plus a few other people. How's everyone's summer been? Yeah, cool. I became a dad. There's my kid. The only kid, well, there's other kids here. Uh, Judah Elliott Pacini, born July 2nd. Yeah, can we show the pictures of him? <laughs> so, yeah, that's right when he was born, and that's like a few days ago. We were just chilling. He's cute. Uh, I might be biased, but I think my baby's cute. Not, not all babies are cute, though. I get, a, I get a lot of hate for that opinion, but if you don't believe me, just go ask your mom. Oh, roasted. See, that, was, that joke was meant for a larger crowd because it seems more personal with this small. Of, like, like I'm pointing at someone. Um, so, obviously, a lot of what I've been thinking about is being a father. Uh, been officially dad for just over a month. Actually, five weeks tonight. And, and so, I've, yeah, I, I didn't really, I don't know how to be a dad yet because he's a baby. I know how to change diapers. I know how to give him a bottle. I know how to hold him. Um, but I don't really have much dad experience. But I have been thinking a lot about what, what it means to be a dad, just the feelings that come with it. And from one moment, it was just me and my wife. And then literally a second later, there was another human being that we were responsible for. And everything flips upside down. And all my friends who are fathers have told me before, like, oh, dude, everything changes when you become a dad. And you're like, I, I understand that. But then it happens, you're like, I didn't understand that. So if we're going to open up to, um, to 1 John tonight. And if you haven't read 1 John, read it. Read it again. It takes 20 minutes. I read it through three or four times just today. If you don't get anything from what I say tonight, just go read that. It's in the Bible. So you know it'll be infinitely better than anything I say tonight. Um, so we're going to be looking at what it means for God to be a father and what it means for us to be his children. So, okay, let's open up. 1 John 4, 7 to 19. Beloved, let us love one another, for God is love. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And this love of God was manifested toward us, that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation of our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us his Spirit, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son, the Savior of the world. Whosoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed that the love that God has for us, God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Lord, we want to understand what it means when you call yourself Father. 
Not all of us here may have had good fathers, but we for certain have not had earthly fathers as good as you are, Jesus, Lord. We want to understand what that means when you call yourself father, when you call us your children. We want to know what that means more perfectly, Jesus. We want it to go deep into us and affect our lives. Please do that in us tonight. We love you. Amen. So I feel like I've learned way more about the Lord just in this past month being a father than I have in several years. Um, it's an attribute of him that I could not understand before. Right? I've, I've had a dad. I have a dad. <laughs> and uh, yeah, okay, I understand what a father means. I understand what it means. Right? We all at one point had dads. That's how we came into the world. I understand that. But I did not have any connection, any personal connection when God says, I'm father, call me father. I did not get that until just recently. There's nothing that could ever happen that would make me stop loving my son. There's nothing that I would not do for him. And that's something I did not understand before, right? My wife, when we got married, that was a different thing. I was responsible for her and her for me. But if something happened to me, she's an adult. She's, she'll be fine. But my son, like, I have to do everything for him. He cannot, he literally can't do anything. Um, he's been having a lot of sinus problems lately. And it's something I can relate to, too. I've had horrible sinus problems my whole life. I grew up in Austin. I feel like I was allergic to every single plant that exists there. But at night, it sounds like he can't breathe. And it sounds like he's going to choke on his snot. And I'm, Karen, she's like, he's fine. But I'm like super paranoid, Dad. And so if he like, in the middle of the night, I wake up, adrenaline going, oh, what's happening? But I understand how uncomfortable he feels. Even though he really is fine, the doctor said he's totally fine. He's just uncomfortable, and he has trouble sleeping. But, uh, but several nights in a row, like, he just, he can't sleep, and so I'll go get him, and I'll lay on the couch, kind of inclined, and I'll lay him on my chest so his mucus can drain. That's the only way he's been able to sleep a few nights. And I don't get any sleep that night because I'm holding him, and I don't want to, like, roll and he'll fall off me or anything. I just, I will not sleep. And it's because I love this kid, and I don't want him to suffer. So the last verse we read right there, we love him because he first loved us. In the same way, that's, I'm learning, like, God loves us like this. He will tirelessly fight for us. But that tells us that God's love is unconditional. We love him because he first loved us. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There's nothing that you or I can do that will make God love us. There's nothing, it doesn't have anything with how we act or what we do. No merit behind us. It is simply because he is love, and we are his creation made in his image. There's nothing you can do that make, can make him love you. Because he is love, and he loves you. Um, but today, saying that God is love is almost trite. It's true, but in our, in our country, it's almost, it almost seems meaningless because it's so overused, and people don't really know what it means. You can walk out on the campus, and you can talk about God being love, and people are like, hey, I've heard that. And then when you say something like, well, God is also judgment, and they, they hate that because, oh, God, love, feelings, right? Just all these feelings. Someone, someone to shout out, what is our definition of love? Nathan, I'm picking on you. Yeah. 
unselfishly choosing for the highest good of God and his kingdom. For God and us, unselfishly choosing. So love isn't about the feelings, it's about the choice. Choosing action, selflessness. So love has nothing to do with liking someone. It has nothing to do with getting anything in return. So Judah is one month old. His eyes are still developing. So like if it looks like he's looking at you, he's probably not. Like he, he probably can't even see in color yet how their eyes develop. They can't recognize faces until they're two months old. So I don't, he's just looking around, and I like to tell him, oh, he's looking at me. Oh, he's smiling. He's not smiling. His, his mouth is just moving around. He's licking the air. He's whatever. All he can understand, all that his brain can comprehend right now is my stomach hurts. That's hot. That's cold. I'm sleepy, and I'm wet. That's all he knows. That's all he knows, and all he can do about that is cry. He, all he can do is cry. He doesn't know how to fix it. I don't even know if he can control his hands because he grabs whatever. He scratches his face, and it's like it leaves marks on him. It's like, why are you doing that? He, he doesn't know. His, his arms are just kind of like tentacles wiggling around. So when I go to change his diaper, right, because he can't do it himself, all I get back is that nine times out of ten he tries to pee on me. That's all I get, and he's successful half the time. When I try to feed and burp him, all I get is spit up on me, right? And then he falls asleep. No, thank you, Dad. No, oh, I feel so much better. That was amazing. You're such a selfless, wonderful father. No, it's just bleh. That's all. That's all I get. When God loves us, we receive this. We receive grace and mercy. We receive peace. We receive, well, we have free will, right? Because he loves us, he gave us free will. We receive his guidance. You can go to him and ask him, Lord, what should I do in this situation? And he will help you. And we receive his patience. I'm glad for that because I'm sure if anyone has reason to be impatient with me, it's God. And then you flip it. When God loves us, this is what he receives. He receives rebellion. He receives hatred. He receives having to leave heaven to become human. He has to sacrifice his son. And this is the only good thing out of God loving us is that he has the potential for gaining children that love him back. That's us. And we're told it won't happen often in the scope of humanity. Most people will pick rebellion and hate him and spit in his face. And very few will choose to love him back. That's what he gets. So we see that love is actually risk and suffering. God took a massive risk when he made us, when he gave us free will. Massive risk. Anything can happen. We see in our own lives and throughout the Bible that people like to go astray. It seems to be the habit, right? It seems to be the operating principle in humanity is that we like to go astray. We like to take all the gifts that he gives us and pay him back with spit. Spit in his face. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this food that you've given me. But I'm going to live my life how I want to live my life. And then he spit in his face. Um, I don't want to say a fear, but something that Karen and I are already wondering and praying about is the possibility that my sweet, innocent son will decide to reject us as parents when he grows up. By God, we're going to do everything we can against that. right? We're going to love him. We're going to be the best parents we can. 
how we know how the Lord has taught us, but it's absolutely a possibility, and it's scary. And even worse than that, it's scary to think that he could grow up to hate the Lord. When we had this child, we, we knew that it was worth it because we wanted to share our love with another being. But there's always the possibility that he will hate us and that he will hate God, and it's scary. But you cannot have love without risk, and you cannot have love without suffering. Um, I like stories, I like movies. So before having a kid, right, you, you watch a movie, and then like the, va- the bad guy, you know he's bad, and then to show that he's extra bad, he does something to a kid, whatever it is, and kidnaps him, whatever, you're like, oh, that must, he was a really bad guy. That's about all I used to get out of it, right? Oh, that, he messed with a kid. That's a really bad guy. But, but now we've, me and Karen have noticed when something happens to a kid in a movie, it's like it's personal. It's like, no one touches my son. No one. And then you're hoping at the end of the movie that the bad guy dies in slow motion, getting hit by a bus, and you see him explode. It's like, you deserved it. Right? Things are personal now. I'm a, I'm a father. I understand. Whereas before, it was like, oh, no. Anyway. But love is risk. Love is risk. And the Lord knew it. He knew what it would cost to have a chance of bringing us into his kingdom. Think about that. The Lord of the universe took a risk because he loves us. So I really wonder, I really wonder if we understand what the love of the Father means. I, I have to think in my life, like, my day-to-day life, do I, the things I do, the way I think, do I really understand what it means when God says, I'm your Father and I love you? And then even further, do I understand what it means when he says, Jesus is my son, I love him, and then he sent his son to die? Who, who here likes cats? You can raise your hand. I'm singling you out. I hate cats. I hate them. There's like 10 cats in the world that I like, and it's because they act like they're dogs. Dog, I've heard this, I think it's true. Dogs think they're people, but cats think they're God. I think that's pretty true. Elva's shaking her head. You know it's true, Elva. Um, so so this, is, this is what God thinks of us in our sin. Isaiah 5, 20. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Woe to men, mighty at drinking wine. Woe to men, valiant for mixing intoxicating drink, who justify the wicked for a bribe and take away justice from the righteous man. Therefore, as fire devours the stubble and the flame consumes the chaff, their root will be as rottenness and their blossom will ascend like dust because they have rejected the law of the Lord of hosts and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. That's what God thinks of you and me. When he sees our sin and our wickedness, which the Bible tells us all of us have been, God looks at that and he sees, he sees us like how I see cats. Pretty disgusting, horrible, nasty creatures. He absolutely hates wickedness. Yeah, I really hate cats. That's how we were before his spirit entered into us, right? He says his spirit enters into us and he makes us perfect. But God sending his son to die for our redemption, right, us wickedness, the people that he loved when we were not lovable, he loved while we hated him, sending his son to die for us 
would be like me telling my son to run into a burning building and sacrifice him to save a cat. That's what it would be like. That I, w- I wouldn't ask my son to do that. And I look at my life, and I see that the Lord of the universe loved me enough to sacrifice his son for me, an ant. I don't understand it. I do not understand it. But that's how it is. That's how it is. And he tells us over and over that that's how it is. And thank God he is the father and, I, and I'm not. He's the Lord of the universe and I'm not. Compared to how God views wickedness and sinners, this is what God says of his son Jesus, the one he sent to die for us. This is a comparison between the wickedness and Jesus. In Matthew 3, when Jesus was baptized... He came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. This, this is the one. That's how God views Jesus versus how we were. But he says he loves us, and we're worth it. And it's a risk because most of the people that Jesus died for hate him. He sent his wonderful son to atone for us wicked sinners. And so I see this. I see that we are undeserving children. We don't deserve anything he's given us. We don't. Um, This is a question we in Chi Alpha like to ask ourselves as reflection. Is the life I'm living worth Christ dying? Is my daily life, the actions I do, the things I think about, Is it worth Jesus dying on the cross for that? When someone cuts me off and I you want to like yell and scream at them? Is is that worth Jesus dying for? The ability to get mad at someone for driving? Um one of these nights, I'm sorry, I'm new dad, so I'm talking about my son a lot. Judah was having trouble sleeping, and so I picked him up and I was just walking around his room. You know, pointing to things and telling him what it is, even though he doesn't know what it is. He can't understand me. Just to try and lull him back to sleep. And I I walk past the mirror, and I just see him resting against me, very content, with peace in his face. And, And the Lord spoke to me, and he told me, as much as I love my son, he loves me infinitely more. The dreams I have for Judah growing up are nothing compared to the dreams he has for me. The joy I get from seeing my son's eyes does not come close to the joy that he gets when he thinks of me, and he does that always. I want to spend the rest of my life in loving relationship with my boy, but God wants to spend eternity with me as his son. And I, that was when it all clicked for me, when I realized really what it meant to be a father, And I could relate to the Lord as Father in that. Something I never could have done before. I never could have understood that. Because I never had that. I never had that. So it hurts me when our our culture likes to think of, uh, of the Father. God the Father. We think of an old man with a big white beard who lives in the clouds. And he has lots of power. In fact, go back to the first, the title page. It... I tried so hard. I like old paintings. I tried so hard to find a painting of God the Father. But it was literally just that, a bunch of old dudes with muscles and white beards on clouds and very stern-looking faces. 
So this is actually a painting supposed to be the prodigal son, which Jesus tells this parable is supposed to be the father and, you know, representing. But no one thinks of God the Father as love. He's power, right? Jesus is the loving one. He's the nice one. Um, the disciples thought this way. Most of the world thinks this way, right? Because God's invisible, so he must be distant. And so they, the disciples asked Jesus, when, when will we see the Father? And Jesus says this in John 14. Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words I speak to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. It's kind of sad. The loving Father, and, and we're, you know, our, we call ourselves Christians, we're named after the Son. We, we talk about Him all the time, but we don't really, when we think of love, we don't think about how much He loves us. We think about the things Jesus has done for us. But it's easy to forget the Father sent the Son. The Father sent the Son because He loves us. The Lord wants us deserving children to love Him as Jesus does, to the point that our lives are indistinguishable from Christ. If we're in him, we are his sons and daughters. Jesus is his son. We're co-heirs with Jesus. We're his siblings. He wants us to look like him. Christ is near to the Father in holiness, and he is near to us in sacrifice. Proverbs 3 says this, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as the Father, the Son, in whom he delights. So God wants you to grow close to him. He wants you to grow close to him. And he wants you to sacrifice yourself for others, just like he did. As we grow closer to him, as we accept him as Father, and we learn what his love is, and that love grows in us, he wants us to look like Jesus. And what did Jesus want to do? He often wanted just to be separated from everything and be close to the Father. He wanted to meet with his Father, and he wanted to sacrifice himself for those that didn't know the Father. So it's no secret in Chi Alpha that our mission is for every single one of you here, every single one, no exceptions at all, that you would come to know and love the Lord, number one, and that you would turn around and fight with love to bring everyone around you to know him also. That's, that's really all we care about here, that you would first love the Lord, and then once you get that, once you understand the love of the Father, that you would let that love flow out of you and be Jesus in this world. So we expect every single one of you to be brothers and sisters to Jesus and to learn how to disciple people in your current small groups. That's the whole purpose of small group. While you're with us. And then to never stop making disciples until you die. That's all we care about. That's what we care about. It's, it's not really a secret, but that's the secret. And this is, I would say this is what looks like, what loving the Father looks like. That's what loving the Father looks like. So I'm going to be very blunt. If you're sitting here and something in you wants to refuse the idea of, you could say, getting out of your comfort zone or, and making disciples, a small group leading, um, if you've called yourself a Christian for any real length of time, 
then, then maybe you don't know the Father. I'm going to put that very bluntly. If, if these are your thoughts, that you, you, oh, that's not for me, then maybe you don't know the love of the Father, and the love of the Father is not in you. There's a lot of, there's a lot of church in this country, but there's not a lot of people who love God. And I'm not trying to point fingers. I'm doing this because, again, we saw that the Lord chastised those he loves. Which means he grows. He wants to grow us. Now, if, you, if you're relatively new at walking with God, don't worry. You're not doing anything wrong. But expect for him, his love to come in you, and this will be a desire you have. Sooner than later. Sooner, you, can't, you can't love the Father and meet his love without having a love for people. You, you just cannot. 2 Corinthians says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those that are in trouble with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. And like we say, as he does in me, he wants to do through me. That's it. That's it. If you love God, if you love the Father, if you really love him, you will look at the things he loves. And what is the whole thing of the Bible? He loves this world. He loves this world that doesn't deserve it. First John 5 says, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and commandments, his commandments are not burdensome. So if it sounds scary, I, I tell you, like we've, me and Daniel and the staff, we've been discipling people, making small groups, going outside of ourselves for over a decade now. And I would not give it up for anything. I would not give it up for anything. I would, you couldn't pay me to stop doing this because you see the love of God growing in people, and it's addictive. And I understand the Father more every time because as my friends start to love God, then they teach me, and the love of God flows from them. Again, in 1 John, it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So take it as a challenge. Challenge the Lord's love. If you think it's scary, if you don't like it, I'm, I'm an introvert. It's weird to talk into a microphone for me. But because God loves you and I love God, here I am for some reason. All right, we're going to read a long, a long little passage in Hebrews because I love reading out of the Bible. Hebrews 12. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who correct us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them. But he, for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening seems to be joyful in the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward it yields peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So not to beat a dead horse, but let the love of the Father come in you. Cast out all your fear. And we'll go make disciples. Every single one of us, no exceptions. Doesn't mean you'll have to think you're great at it. I don't think I'm anything special. It's probably bad if you think you are anything special, but he just asks us to do it. We can even think of it this way. Does the life I live show that the Father loves me and I love him? Does the life I live show that? 
that I love the Father and he loves me? Does it, does it reveal that to the world? That can be our, our way to test ourselves in this. Is fear stopping me? Is selfishness stopping me? What's stopping me? Do I, do I think I don't have enough time? Because I love the Father, my dreams for my son and his dreams for my son must align. I want my son to become his son more than anything else. So I consciously lift Judah, my son, up to be a son of God and happily relinquish my rights as his true father when that day comes, when he can make that choice to call God his father. I gladly give up my rights. And if the band wants to come up. There's a poem I had heard a while ago, I don't remember where or when, by Margaret Clarkson. And it made a mark on me, and I hope it makes a mark on Judah one day. It's called, So Send I You. So send I you to labor unrewarded, to serve unpaid, unloved, unsought, unknown, to bear rebuke, to suffer scorn and scoffing. So send I you to toil for me alone. So send I you to bind the bruised and broken, over wandering souls to work, to weep, and to wake, to bear the burdens of a world weary. So send I you to suffer for my sake. So send I you to loneliness and longing, with heart a hungering for the loved and known, forsaking home and kindred, friend and dear one. So send I you to know my love alone. So send I to leave your life's ambition, to die to dear desire, self will resign. To labor long and to love where men revile you, so send I you to lose your life in mine. So send I you to hearts made hard by hatred, to eyes made blind because they will not see, to spend though it be blood, to spend and spare not. So send I you to taste Calvary. As the Father hath sent me, so send I you. I don't think you have to become a literal father to understand the love of God the Father. I, I highly uh, encourage it. It's amazing. I wouldn't trade it. But we can know the love of the Father now if we're ready and willing to hear his voice, to hear his love, to not be afraid. Right? He says, if you're my legitimate children, I will teach you. It won't be easy. It won't be easy, but I'll teach you. And the whole purpose is to get closer to him and to go out into the, the watching world to sacrifice ourselves. It sounds scary, but when you're doing it, He fills you and it's amazing. His love overflowing, and you get to share that with Him because He doesn't leave you alone. If you, if you didn't have the best Father in this world, Jesus is your, the Lord is your perfect Father. God is your perfect Father. He said, if your earthly father, if you go ask for bread, he's not going to give you a stone. He's not going to give you a scorpion. How much better gifts does the heavenly father give you? So we're going to open up the altars, whatever you need. I would say just get close to the father. Ask him to reveal what that means to you, to reveal his love to you, and then to help you not keep it to yourselves. If we love the father, 
we will be his sons on this planet. We'll be his daughters on this planet. That's how we love him back. But we're just going to have, you can come up to the altar, you can sit in your chair, make your chair an altar if you want, and just spend time with him asking him, what does it mean that you're my father? Reveal that to me. Reveal that to me. And let it sink into your heart and do whatever he needs to do in you. We love you guys. And I just pray, pray right now that the Lord would touch you, that you'd let him into your heart. We love you.